We are back for another episode of the Unrest Podcast. I'm Caitlin Stansel. And I'm Madeline Green. So I guess it's been two weeks now since switched since things up a little. <laughs> since we switched it up. And we actually had talked about drinking wine in that first little episode before we switched things up. And we said, if you have a wine that you would like to suggest for us, please let us know. And so we had someone suggest one but unfortunately it was a um, barefoot <laughs> Pinot Grigio barefoot we're not laughing at you we're laughing with a, you a barefoot Pinot Grigio you know you have to say it with class so we didn't do the barefoot but we did do which I called it the <laughs> menage trios but I have been corrected that is not how you pronounce it menage trois like the song, the menage <laughs> Pinot Grigio. So that is what we are drinking for this episode. Grab and yourself a glass if you want to drink some while you listen along, right. unless you're driving. <laughs> yes. Like don't. I know some of our listeners are doing while they're listening. So, but you know, drinking the Pinot Grigio just kind of goes with what my story is but not really because it is about an irish pub so they probably aren't drinking pinot grigio (laughs) so for today's spooky story i'm gonna tell you all about a little irish pub in seattle called kells some backstory on the pub it was actually founded in 1983 by the michaelis family is how i think you pronounce it Um, they wanted to bring like an authentic Irish experience to the area. And the pub is actually located in Seattle's iconic Pike place market. Um, it happened to be in also the oldest historic building in the city called the Butterworth building, Mm. which just so happened to be where Seattle's first mortuary was. Okay. In the early 20th century, the death rate was really skyrocketing at the time. And because everything, you know, from the flu, there were mining accidents and even a lot of murder was going on that a man named Mr. E.R. Butterworth, who is a furniture maker at the time, kind of saw an easy way to make a little bit of money. Every time you say Butterworth, (laughs) every time you say Butterworth, it makes me think of syrup (laughs) this is not mrs butterworth mr mr (laughs) and take a sip of your drink now (laughs) a much more serious butterworth (laughs) and what's even funnier is you know he he saw an easy way to make a little bit of money but people had already been asking him to build caskets for the dead interesting maybe he's just one of those people that like you get that kind of vibe from <laughs> right like hey you're a furniture maker you make table and chairs could you also make a casket for my great aunt Susie so I mean, like, <laughs> sure so because of this he decided to open ER Butterworth and Sons in 1903 which like I said earlier is Seattle's first mortuary interesting Because of this increase in death, the city started offering $50 to anyone who brought in a dead body. (laughs) 
Now the law was that they Otherwise, had to have they a- just lay out on the street. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> now the law was that they had to have an autopsy done, but that kind of took a long time. And Mr. Butterworth sometimes would take some shortcuts just to bring in more money. Oh no. Right. I read from a few different places that some of these dead bodies that came through the mortuary were patients of a Dr. Linda Hazard, who happened to believe that she could treat disease with starvation. I wonder if that's where the word hazard came from. Yeah. (laughs) She would deny them food and only allow them to drink thin broth and and receive regular enemas. (laughs) You can just imagine the amount of bodies that she sent over. Not, you can speak I'm not towards sh- what that experience is like. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is accurate, but I, and I tried to find more evidence of this. Um, but it says that she actually tried to cure two of Butterworth's sisters, killing one of them, which was actually sent to that mortuary and processed by her own brother. Wow. Not exactly sure if that's accurate because of this other story I'm going to tell you, but it says that eventually someone realized like what she was doing was very wrong and she was sentenced to prison. Like I said, when I was looking for that evidence to back the claim that she worked with Butterworth sisters, I did find a story of these two other sisters who, um, could be kind of what that maybe article was talking about. I just found it interesting that they had talked about these two sisters of Butterworth's who Seemed these to two align. that she worked on were very the most well known of her patients, but it says um, their names were Claire and Dorothea Williamson. Okay, and Doctor Hazard tried to cure them with the starvation method, and one sister died and one lived. But let me show you a picture of what the one that lived looks like. Oh no. Yes. Am I going to have nightmares about this photo? <laughs> you won't have nightmares, but it is pretty wild. Oh, God. She was on death's doorstep herself. Right? I mean, I I have so many thoughts. I mean, her dress looks like it's hanging on a hanger. It's yeah. so big on her. And her, her little face, neck. Yeah. Her face is so sunken in looking and like, you know how when people don't have great nutrition i feel like it shows itself in their hair a little bit right right her hair looks kind of like crazy frizzy short Mm -hmm. like broken off looking so just an interesting example of what someone who survived this starvation method looked like terrible (laughs) yeah even to get to that point i mean you had to be suffering yeah So the mortuary eventually closed and then it was sold. And that's kind of when things get a little spookier. Mm. When they began to remodel, one of the workers started taking pictures of the progress. And supposedly he caught something very interesting in one of these pictures. It's said to be a white faced man with black Mm. eyes and what looks to be a stitched mouth. Ooh. And I actually, I have that picture. I'll show you in just a little bit. It's, it's kind of in a video that they did, but it's definitely a very interesting picture. Um, they say that the activity that happens at this pub occurs mostly in the month of November. I thought that was really interesting. I tried to, you know, find some more connections, but 
I couldn't find anything, but that was definitely something that they said that the owner said as well. Things that take place around the pub, there'll be bar glasses that move when no one is near them. And then sometimes they move when people are sitting right next to them. <laughs> so definitely not shy ghosts. Um, cut, in the pub. cut off the heavy drinker. <laughs> right. It said that there will be handprints on the windows. And then sometimes not just regular smudged handprints. There'll be muddy handprints. Um, and it says on the inside and outside of the windows, which I mean, the outside, you could kind of say maybe it was people on the streets, but I think that most of the time they've noticed these at, right after cleaning or something like that to make them a little a stronger evidence. Yeah. Right. There is this really cool story of a security guard who was in the stairwell of the pub and he saw, he kind of looked across the stairs and saw a child's feet standing there. So he radioed down and told them, you know, like we have a child in here and he hurried up the stairs to catch up with her. He could hear the footsteps going up the stairs. Oh God. And then when he got up there, he realized there was no one there and he knew that he had seen the spirit of this little girl that is seen in the pub. She has ringlets and like a velvet dress on. And many people have seen her. And he felt like those little feet of the child, that was definitely her. Interesting. So I'm going to show you this video. I feel like it's always a creepy little girl. <laughs> for right. For some reason. It's never creepy little boy. With the ringlets. Yeah. In a velvet dress. <laughs> Too many sober sightings. Oh my God, I just saw a ghost. For Kel's owners to ignore. I saw the little girl. And I said, and he says, I have never been a spam in my life. Karen McAleese recalls a recent scare involving a security worker in the stairwell. He saw her feet on the stairwell. So he radioed to the front and he said, um, I have a minor in here, I have a child. A little girl with ringlets and red velvet, reportedly seen on several occasions. Well, I saw her feet on the way coming up. And so he run up here after her and he could hear the pitter patter. All of a sudden he realized, wait a minute, this is, was a spirit I saw, not, this was not a person. More evidence of spirits upstairs. A construction worker snapped a photo of the old Butterworth building right. stud. This is where the photo is. <laughs> Absolutely not. And it takes a lot to shake up the typically skeptical Patrick McAleese. That's that. That even threw me for one. Remember, I've never seen grown men run out of door in my life like that at three in the afternoon. That blurry image captured the attention of TV's Ghost Adventures crew. It is a creepy photo. It's very creepy. So, okay, definitely, that's creepy. Definitely a weird photo, right? It reminds me of the ones that we got when we were at the old exchange building in Charleston. Like, right? It's definitely face-like. It gives you a little chill when you look. Yeah. <laughs> and so like that video says in 2010, the travel channel show ghost adventures visited Kells and they believe that they got a photo of kind of a disfigured child on the steps. I'll show you a picture of that photo. There's something weird there. This is the picture that the ghost adventures group caught at the pub. I feel like this is a very strange picture. I wouldn't think to me, it looks like, um, you know, that like kind of hooded figure that a lot of 
it's in like a lot right. of scary movies. That's more what it looks like to me than like a headless a child. child. Yeah, I agree. I was very like, that's like very distinctively something. Yeah. Does that make sense? There is definite. There's something definitely there that they captured. <laughs> right. But what is it? It's you up know? for interpretation about what it is. Yeah. Right. Right. And so it says, you know, besides this photo, they also heard a lot of strange sounds, footsteps, um, and definitely found a lot of evidence at the site that it could be possibly haunted. Well, and I kind of feel like, all right, when you're going to do an investigation like that, I would want to go in not knowing anything. Yeah. Because I feel like once you know a little history or like what some people have seen before, then you go in with a bias almost. And then you're looking for certain things, if that makes sense. So the fact that, you know, many people have seen a girl, they decided this picture was of a a child. Yeah, but whereas I don't not knowing anything, it doesn't look like that at all. Right, right. And so the owners of the pub kind of chalk it up to these otherworldly forces. They say that mirrors have been known to just shatter. Sometimes plaster will just fall off the walls. (laughs) Okay, that's creepy. Um, The lights will swing randomly on occasion. Um, And like I said before, it being a bar, glasses slide around all the time, sometimes crashing to the floor. Um, And so it's not just at night either when no one is there. These things happen sometimes in the middle of the day, like that video said. So that's pretty interesting. And, And, you know, many patrons of the bar have seen these things. It's not just people that work there or there after hours. It's people that come there for a quick drink. Um, so I think that makes it pretty interesting. And I, the, I like that about a place. I don't want it to just be at night. <laughs> right. You know, it, I think it helps make it, you more know, more interesting than scary. <laughs> yeah. And it makes it like for sure. Okay. Something is weird. I just had my drink right here and now it's at the end of the bar. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Is going on? <laughs> Did I drink that much that I blacked out? I, yeah. A ghost. <laughs> right. The owner's sister, Karen McAleese, which is in the video that I did show you, said in 2005 on All Saints Day, she had a very interesting experience at the pub. She was walking through the kitchen and then she saw something. She said it was a tall man who looked like he was part black. Um, He had a suit jacket on. He had very thin hands. And he just walked straight to the end of the bar and then just faded away. Oh, it's a thin hands for me. <laughs> <laughs> it still reminds me of damn yeah. return to Babylon. <laughs> or is it about we, the creepy hands? Before we started this, I'm like typing and I'm like looking down at my hands like, are my hands creepy? <laughs> <laughs> so, do you know, definitely a spooky place with a lot of history and death and turmoil connected to this building. And I think it, it makes a great story. Oh no. I love that story. I mean, it's, it sounds like it's not just one person seeing these things or feeling these things, you know, those spirits really don't discriminate for who they um, appear to or interact with. Right. That makes the best ghost story when so many people have seen it that you just cannot deny it. Yeah, you can't just kind of write it off as 
someone drinking too much and blacking out and <laughs> not knowing what happened to their drink. Speaking of drinking, let's some take more another Pinot sip. <laughs> not barefoot. Menage a trois. Um, okay, so Madeline tasked me with finding the history of mortuaries for today's haunted history, but I think I found something a little better. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I did search for that. It wasn't as interesting as I wanted it to be, but um, I found this thread. It's on ranker.com and it's kind of like a culmination of people on Reddit who have shared their experiences in funeral homes. Okay. And I just think these are like so fun to listen to. I would never want to work in a funeral home, but I like hearing about other people's experiences, just like ghosts. I don't, I don't want to experience it, but I like hearing about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, this first one, it's called body grips, medical technician. Hmm. This Reddit user, her name is PM me kittens, please. (laughs) She said, I used to work in tissue recovery. And my least favorite part was prepping the donor for recovery process as it included shaving the arms and legs. Though we tried to be careful, I would every now and then accidentally nick the person's skin and it felt borderline sociopathic. Oh gosh. They said once they had this donor who was very freshly deceased And as they held their hand to shave their arm, his fingers curled around her hand as rigor mortis set in. There's no way. I mean, you have to pay me like a million dollars to do that. (laughs) There's no way. I actually knew someone that uh, she, my old hairstylist, she, uh, worked in a salon with another girl in her room and the other girl, she would do people's hair, mm-hmm. <laughs> dead people's hair. <laughs> I just, I, I can't, I can't even like a loved one, um, at a funeral. I don't, some people like really connect with the dead body and like love on them. And I my husband just said he wouldn't do that. I cannot. (laughs) He said it makes me feel really bad because obviously that is your loved one. So just it's hard for me to like interact with the body at a funeral. When when someone dies, I don't know. I don't see that as being them anymore. No, a hundred percent. I feel like you don't feel them in that body at all. But I feel like the older generation does. Oh yeah. They like hold their hands and take pictures. Honestly, I don't even agree. Like I don't even like the casket being open. Yeah. It just feels wrong. It feels yeah. um intrusive. Almost. Right. Okay. So here's the next story. This is from a Redditor named the eighth Henry. They said my neighbor a while back before I moved was a mortician and he didn't have any creepy stories per se, but one that sticks out concerned this one night that he had a body he was preparing for a very early morning wake. So as he's working on it, he turned his back to grab some tools or supplies. And he was kind of at this angle where he could see the corpse out of the corner of his eye. He said he was looking down at whatever he was getting, the tools he was getting. And in the corner of his eye, he saw the body slowly start to sit up. (laughs) 
It says his fight or flight instinct immediately kicked in and he ran to the stairs as fast as he possibly could, but he was so clumsy trying to get up the stairs that he tripped and he was pretty much crawling and kind of clawing his way up to the top. And he was just near the top before his senses finally came back and he knew that it was rigor mortis. Like it was kind of this natural bodily process and he collected himself and started to laugh. Does rigor mortis make you sit up? I think it just like the way that it kind of contracts your muscles and tissues. It can, it can make you sit up. Um, legit you're laying down and it can make you sit up. I think so. I think so. I think it takes a very special person and not, not like in a, in a funny way, but I really think that you have to be very empathetic in this, in that sense to, to take care of people's bodies after they pass and to do it in a way that is objective and like sincere you know what I mean right well I mean like someone has to do it so someone has to and we are not those people unfortunately and also fortunately (laughs) right right um and this one's kind of funny just to wrap it up but a woman with a glass eye uh this redditor says the funniest thing um would have been that a very elderly woman with a glass eye chose to keep it kept wide open they said it gave them a hell of a fright when they saw her in her casket (laughs) just one eye was open i guess so (laughs) their glass eye i like i like the yeah i like the humor in that and that they wanted to she probably had a great personality leave this realm with a little something a memory to leave everyone with (laughs) (laughs) i love that those are really good though because I, I think maybe in the first season I told you about, you know, the bodies that were taken down to be um, autopsied and stuff. There's been a few that have the people were not actually dead. Yeah. Um, and so this kind of goes along with that. Well, when I was looking at the history, a lot of the history I found talked about how um, because the embalming process wasn't like really around yet, they had these other kind of tools and tricks in place to make sure that if somebody wasn't actually dead, that they would be able to notify someone. And that goes back to our first season when we talked about the safety coffins and the bells that they would, the strings they would tie to people's fingers. Fingers. So if they move, the bells would go off. Um, so that's kind of why I went in this direction because we had talked about that a good bit. Um, but it is still really interesting. And by the way, if you didn't know, if you're embalmed, you don't actually have to be kept refrigerated once you were dead the embalming process preserves you enough that you don't need to be kept cool to not continue decomposing well i'll just be cremated (laughs) (laughs) definitely a good haunted history and i think that was a fun episode fun and spooky all the things we love tied into one and if you have a story you want to share with us we love to add them to our real life haunt segment Our next episode, that's going to be just solely a real life haunt. So please send us your stories at the unrest podcast at gmail.com. And again, follow us on Facebook. We also have a Facebook group, Instagram. And until next time, unrest unrest in in peace. peace.